Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be discussing sunflower production on today's program, but we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Sunflowers might be a big crop this year in the Dakotas, Brian. There is so much snow out there. I, I don't doubt there'll be some guys looking for some later planted alternatives. Yeah, true. I mean, soybeans can be planted really late. We've had really good beans planted to the end of June. We've had over 200 bushel corn planted in June also. So, But yeah, I mean, there will be some people that will opt for sunflowers. My number one thing, and I guess where I wanted to start the show today, was weed control is number one with sunflowers. And the reason why I say this is you've got nothing post-emerge for good options. I mean, sure, you can use Clearfield, Express, Sunflower, I mean, things like that. But all you then have for post-emerge choices is ALS. Well, let's face it, where sunflowers are grown, the number one weed is probably kochia. And the number two weed, depending on where you're at, could be water hemp or palmer pigweed or something like that, where they're all ALS resistant. So you're just not going to get the control you want post-emerge. And there is nothing else. So you have to have a fantastic pre-program. We talk all the time in soybeans about the importance of pre-emerge herbicides, but it's even more so where you've got to have that great weed control pre in sunflowers. So I just always tell people, look, you have to start with Spartan plus preferably Prowl, but you could do a group 15 like dual. There are some pre-mixes out there too, like Authority Supreme and stuff like that. But the point is, if you don't have great control pre-emerge, then there's just there's nothing later on. So, yeah, Spartan, absolutely. Preferably a yellow like Prowl or could be Sonalan or Trifloralin. And then if you wanted to throw a Group 15 in there also, great. Otherwise, some people are going with the Group 15 plus Spartan, and you can do that. I just don't like it quite as good as the combination with the yellow, but that's the real key. It's not that complicated and it really doesn't cost that much money so in soybeans we do the three pre thing because you can use metribuzin in soybeans well you can't in sunflowers that would kill the sunflowers no there just aren't that many options for weed control but here's the other thing bro nope. when we think about crop protection a lot of times it is weed control that farmers want to talk about i think about fungicide use and insecticide use in crops like sunflowers that's been huge the guys that have been really timely on stopping disease and also stopping bugs have had much better quality flowers. Because think about it. If you buy a bag of sunflower seeds for human consumption, how many of those seeds do you want to eat that have a hole drilled through them by some kind of insect? Zero. I don't want that at all. I don't want to have spoiled sunflower seeds. I want to have perfect sunflower seeds. And you can do that if you keep disease and especially insects out of those flowers. Also, I, I look at the fertility plan. That's another big one. And I, I hope uh, if we get some sunflower farmers that, that happen to call in today or that we get to talk to, I, I want to just ask them about that too. Where, where guys have put more P and K out there, the stalks on the sunflowers are thicker. Disease problems aren't as big a deal. Yeah. And the crop is tremendous. I mean, guys used to shoot for one ton of sunflowers per acre, 2,000 pounds. Now they're shooting for double that. And much much like in corn and soybeans, they're shooting for double the yields they were just 
15, 20 years ago. So that's awesome. If we can do that, sunflowers can be a wildly successful and popular or wildly successful and profitable crop. Well, yeah, but you talk about disease control. It's not as big a deal as it is in corn and soybeans in a lot of areas because it's usually drier. So I get it for the plant health benefits and things like that. But I mean, I'm more focused on the insects than I am the diseases. But either way, I, I mean, yes, you're right. You, you want to have good control. The, the number one issue that a lot of sunflower producers have brought up to me is just that Lohr's ban is now banned. So what am I going to do here? Because I used to use Lohr's ban. Well, you've got, you've got a few options. I don't love a couple of them, but I just say the pyrethroids are still out there. You've got the cheap pyrethroids. You do have dimethoate and seven are labeled in most sunflower crops. So, I mean, neither one of those is quite as good as Lohr's ban, but they're somewhat similar in terms of control. So we do have some choices, but I'm concerned about it because they're talking next about maybe dimethoate's going to go off the market. Well, if we, if we start losing more insecticide options, then we're just left with the pyrethroids, and then it's only a matter of time before we end up with resistance issues with bugs, too. So... We'll see what ends up happening, but at least for now, there are some choices there when it comes to insecticide. Oh, and I'd say, too, pre-emerge, you could do, I mean, some people have been doing, like, capture LFR or, I mean, just something out there pre. I just remember, I mean, at planting time, uh, back when I was in college, even, I worked for FMC in the summers, and they sold a lot of furidan in sunflowers. And it was supposed to last season long. Didn't always work that way, but at least it gave some insect control. But as you know, Curidan's been off the market for probably 20 years. Yeah, there are a lot of things going on with sunflowers. And I do like that there are more residual pre-emerge products that, that can be used, more choices that we've got there. Uh, you mentioned on the insecticide yeah, planting time and foliar. There's some different things going on there and, and certainly some different products you can use. The The challenge is we don't have Lord's Man anymore, but that only takes one option off the table. There there are some different modes yep. of action there that can be used, which depending on what you have yeah, for bugs can be a big deal. Many of them are much more expensive. That was the thing that people liked about the Lord's Man. They had fairly quick knockdown. It was a product they were familiar with, and it was cheap. And by cheap, I mean around $7 an acre for a pint. So when you have to spend double that to get the same control, that's frustrating as a producer. All right, you're getting a feel for what we like to talk about here and what we're focused on with sunflowers. But what are your questions around sunflowers or other crops on your farm? Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD for your agronomic questions. Or you can email us radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back after this short break talking about sunflower production on today's Ag PhD radio program. Stay tuned. Two by two by two systems have never been more popular. 360 has them in stock and ready to ship. 360 Bandit puts bands of liquid nitrogen in the sweet spot for early root interception and uptake. Both sides of the row, three inches from the seed, and just three quarters of an inch below the soil surface. Your planter can do more with 360 Bandit. In stock and ready to ship. Learn more at 360yieldcenter.com. 
Get what you spray for, results. Get the lasting control more corn growers trust with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Apply pre-plant, pre-emergence, or early post-emergence to control tough broadleaf weeds and grasses before they cost you. For superior control with a low use rate and long residual, make the easy, high-performing choice. Visit anthemmax.ag.fmc.com to get results. Always read and follow all label directions. Good morning and hallelujah! Watch it. My spray and pray days are over! What's with Randy? Oh, he's just amped. Weed field heaven! Amped? Yeah, he ordered that new Battalion Amp herbicide from UPL. They're calling it the new gold standard. This is the greatest day in herbicidal history! So, how can I... Get amped? Just go to battalionamp.com. It's gonna be a good year! Always read and follow label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. When you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. So call Farm Shop MFG today at 712-520-6051. listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about sunflowers on today's program, and we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Bob Weigelt with us right now with FMC to talk a little about sunflowers. Bob, how's it going? Good afternoon, Darren. I'm doing well. I'm predicting it's going to be a huge sunflower year. I think uh, we've got a lot of snow in the Dakotas. I think growers are going to say, you know, might not get quite as much corn as I thought. And I think they're going to look for other crops. What do you What are you thinking, Bob? What's your forecast? Well, I think you might be right. In fact, I'm just looking at the sunflower highlights from the National Sunflower Association that came out today on April 3rd. And their viewpoint's exactly the same as yours, that there's a deep and heavy snowpack in North Dakota and in Minnesota. And despite some of the USDA projections of acres being down, a lot can change in the next few weeks. And people might decide sunflowers are very much worth looking at their 2023 cropping plans. You know, one thing about sunflowers, they they uh, can be planted a little bit later. You can still be very successful with them. They have got a great root system underneath them. They, they're pretty good at extracting nutrients out of the soil. So I think there's a lot of situations where, you know what, I could go sunflowers in this particular field. Talk to us a little bit, Bob, about some of the pre-emerge weed control options out there. Because I think for growers that say, well, I haven't done this before, they, they might find, uh, oh, there's some common active ingredients here that I'm already using. I sure will, Darren. And really the one that's been the standard here now for so many years in the sunflower market have been products like Spartan and Spartan Charge. In fact, Spartan Charge has been the gold standard for many, many years at present. I think, though, that farmers are going to have to look at stepping up their pre-emerge thinking a notch and maybe think about adding in another mode of action to the Spartan Charge, which is, of course, a Group 14 sulfentrazone. And the ones that we are going to see more and more use of in the next few years for a variety of reasons 
would be to upgrade to products like Authority Elite that have a Group 15, and best of all, and most powerful one is one called Authority Supreme that has the uh, Proxysulfo and the really the state-of-the-art Group 15 along with the good old standby Group 14 Sulfentrazone. Yeah, it's a couple powerful modes of action that, that we're already using in a number of different crops, uh, and and that's comforting for a lot of guys too. And I think about it this way, if if something happens, you put those types of active ingredients out for your soybeans, you, you still have the option of sunflowers if you need them. They're fantastic on grass and a number of those small seeded broadleaves. When it comes to bugs, Bob, this is something that my brother brought up a little bit ago. He, he said, man, pre-emerge or at planting time, I should say, uh, we've got some alternatives. We've got some alternatives foliar. The insects can be a big issue and it, it certainly varies depending on where you're growing sunflowers. But uh, what do you talk about with, with insecticide? What are our options that we've got in this market? Well, the newest one was a labeled option that just came on the market last year in 2022. And that was allowing uh, products like Capture LFR and the Ethos XB, which both contain the bifenthrin insecticide. And those uh, were labeled on sunflowers uh, last year at about this same time and became options for sunflower producers that are looking at uh, controlling wireworms and cutworms and in-furrow and at-planting type insect complex. Yeah, that's a big deal. And if we can start off keeping those tough insects away from, from our crop. I mean, I like eating sunflower seeds, so I don't I don't blame wireworms from wanting to eat them as well. Uh, and exactly. You get that plant off to a good start and have a nice, thick, healthy stand. When it comes to weed control, and we mentioned the pre-emerge products, if we can get great crop canopy out there, we can stop a lot of the weeds from coming. Sunflowers have got great big leaves on them, so one way we can do that is is getting some insecticide out there early. I, I think for the, the low investment that you've got with a capture or an ethos, uh, it, it does give you some alternatives. So for sunflower growers, Bob, I, I think they're familiar with bifenthrin that's in Capture LFR, and the LFR, of course, means you can mix it with fertilizer without having problems. Talk to us about the Ethos a little bit. What's different about that one for sunflower growers? Well, Ethos steps the in-furrow uh, game up a notch or two by adding in a root-colonizing bacteria strains, uh, bacillus bacteria that actually have fungicidal uh, root uh, fungal disease controlling properties along with the insecticide bifenthrin. So it represents a, another concept of, of taking the uh, health of that seedling beyond just what treated seed can offer and moving it on up, on up into the overall seedling health and vigor. So uh, of the two options, the Capture LFR or the Ethos XB, I think for the modest additional investment that the Ethos XB would require, it'd be well worth a sunflower producer's time to discuss that option with his or her hefty retailer. All right. When we talk about diseases, here's something, Bob, that I, I think about a lot. I've been to a lot of sunflower farms and I've seen 
some farmers really focused on uh, dealing with disease. I know white mold can be a big one, but there are certainly others. And uh, when I look at corn and soybeans, especially grown in, in some of these areas where sunflowers are, they get a lot of built-in disease tolerance. But the sunflower hybrids or varieties seem like they're a little more susceptible to a few different diseases. What do you see in terms of, of controlling disease out there? I know FMC's made a big made a big effort uh, at developing fungicides and, and getting multiple modes of action as well. Well, I think in the case of the Ethos XB, Darren, there's a whole complex of potential seedling blights and diseases that are really, they're, they're better understood, like you said, in traditional row crops like corn and soybeans, and maybe their effect on the sunflower seedling is not as well known, but we're talking about uh, the root colonizing bacteria that's in the Ethos XB having suppression of damping off seedling blights, uh, other root and crown diseases caused by organisms such as Pythium, Rhizoctonia, Fusarium, and or Phytophthora. So it's quite a complex of potential disease pressures and issues that can also affect a sunflower crop. You look at, at different things we can do uh, with the planter now, with our pre-emerged stuff, also the foliar disease and insect battles that growers are known to fight with sunflowers. If you're familiar, for, for our listeners, if you say, okay, I'm kind of familiar with sunflowers, they're growing, you see that big yellow flower and it kind of chases the sun a little bit. Eventually, as that seed head is going to start drying down, it's going to tip. And you've got a chance where you can get good coverage with insecticide, and then there's times of the year that it's tough to get insecticide where you need them. Um, what do you see, Bob? I know FMC's got a number of different modes of action in the insecticide realm for length of control and, and just uh, a strategy that growers could go after stopping some of those tough bugs. Well, I think it depends on where you are in the sunflower-producing geography. There's kind of a line of demarcation somewhere maybe I-90, maybe it's the Nebraska-South Dakota border, but below that line, you're looking at your sunflower head moth complex of pests, and then we're into modes of action like our diamides, uh, Vanicora being the latest and greatest one that was uh, coming on the market here in the last season or two. North of that line of demarcation, you are getting into the traditional red sunflower seed weevil belt and where red sunflower seed weevil the predominant pest and that's certainly most of south dakota and, and north dakota and that surely has been a a topic of increasing interest here especially in south dakota within the last season but uh, with the loss of traditional products like clerpyrifos we're really limited in many cases to some of our older pyrethroids and um, even though the pyrethroids have been a nice horse to ride all these years. They're not inventing new ones, and, and we're going to have to really consider other ways to, to manage maybe red sunflower seed weevils, especially in South Dakota, and not over-relying too much on our progressroids. And the one that FMC sells, of course, is the, the long-used and, uh, and labeled Mustang Max. Yeah, and it's been, a, like you say, it's been a good product for a long time, but we absolutely got to stay on top of keeping uh, bugs under control and keeping resistance away. Bob, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. You are very welcome. My, my mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Stay in the dark with its powerful LED lights. 
hook up all the implements, shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. Control the toughest weeds with overlapping residuals. Lock in the longest lasting control for your soybean fields. A pre-emergence application of an authority brand herbicide plus a post-application of Anthem Max herbicide establishes the overlapping residual control key to safeguarding your soybean seasons. This pairing is a heavy-duty economical strategy against Palmer Amaranth, Waterhemp, Kosha, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or lockin.ag.fmc.com today. Always read and follow all label directions. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. But the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. This is Mike. Hey. He's getting a quick haircut at the local barber school. It's only five bucks. How bad can it? Oh! Yikes. Don't be like Mike when it comes to weed control. Get the job done right the first time and plan ahead with Status Herbicide. It delivers elite corn safety and reliable performance, so you don't have to deal with more problems than you bargained for. No, 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 no. Status Herbicide from BASF. Always read and follow label directions. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Utricia N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking sunflowers and also taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head up into northern South Dakota. Got Lance on with us right now with farms up there. How are you doing, Lance? Doing good. Just uh, prepping for another winter storm. Oh, my goodness. It's April, isn't it? It, it just, yeah. it just this That's winter just never me. stops. Oh, my goodness. Well, it doesn't really put sunflower production in jeopardy, though. In fact, it might even help sunflower production get a little bit more moisture in the ground. Uh, what what are things looking like, and, and what's your game plan going into this year for, for a crop mix? Well, it's looking like we'll get a, a late start um, to planting season if it's April already, and we still got snow to melt and what's to come. So uh, it kind of sets up all right for sunflowers. Um, we usually don't start planting those till um, at least the middle of May. 
Um, so we got some time yet, and if things get late where we can't get all our corn, soybeans, or wheat in, then sunflowers are a good option for us. So, yeah. Now, in terms of sunflowers, what purpose do you raise them for, and what kind of sunflowers you're raising, and and how far do you have to take them to market? Yeah, right now we uh, we've been kind of exclusively growing uh, growing uh, hyaluric uh, sunflowers here for the last at least six seven years. Um, and we'll take those to the local elevator or else we'll ship them direct from our farm up to uh, ADM in Enderlin or Cargill at West Fargo. Um, and then also, we, but with the Ohio Lake, we also have options to go to the bird food market as well. So, Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting with the crop mix. Like you say, this year, uh, it probably isn't going to influence sunflowers because we're talking mid-May or June for planting. Uh, when, it, when it comes to prepping for that crop are you guys no-till or what do you do kind of to set yourself up for success in in sunflowers right so we're we're strictly no-till where we're at just because normally we're limited on moisture um and it wasn't just i mean we have plenty now but it wasn't too long ago last fall where we got or in late summer got kind of dry on us and then sunflowers were able to hold on uh for us which was nice but so we just got to make sure our fields are clean going into it. Um, we're starting to get, you know, some ALS-resistant kochia um, that we got to watch out for. So the big thing is make sure, you know, the prior year we have clean fields, and then coming into sunflowers, make sure we're we're clean when we get them seeded, and and then usually plant something that has, you know, that's at least like an express tolerant uh, sunflower or maybe a clear field tolerant sunflower. So there's some a little bit of broadleaf options, um, you know, during the growing season as well. Now, you mentioned that you're normally dry, and this is one of the things that I think for, for growers that say, okay, I would consider sunflowers because of the drought tolerance. Is that real? What do you see when you get dry in northern South Dakota? Is this one of your best crops usually? I'm, it, I'd say it's consistently it's it's our best crop. Um, like even last year, we thought we had a great corn yield. Well, it got dry on us. I thought we'd have a great corn yield got dry on us then we had that terrible wind then all of a sudden half of our ears are on the ground um you know soybeans kind of dried up a little they were still okay but as dry as it got last year was probably our best average yield of sunflowers we've ever had on the farm even though it did get dry so you know as that late late season stress hit sunflowers able to hold their own and uh, actually had a really good crop so that was that was good to see now, you mentioned having clean fields going into sunflowers, so the year before doing a great job. Is that normally a, a Roundup-ready soybean, or what do you have ahead of your sunflowers? A lot of times we'll either have corn um, ahead of it or we'll have wheat ahead of it. Usually after soybeans, we'll follow, like, we usually plant wheat or, or corn just to kind of keep the rotation there. But, yeah, usually, like, before we plant sunflowers, it's usually a corn field or it's, or it's a wheat field. So if it's wheat, we'd like to get a fall burn down. Um, if we got it off early enough, uh, that helps. And then with corn, you know, usually we can keep the corn fields pretty clean without any issues. So that's nice going into sunflowers to have those two crops ahead of it. Yeah, it sure is. And having that grass crop to, to follow or to proceed a broadleaf crop, that makes a lot of sense too. Uh, well, Lance, good luck to you guys. Hopefully they're way off on this forecast and that snow really isn't coming, but uh, it, <laughs> yeah, looks, exactly. it looks like we probably got to brace ourselves. Thank you so much for, for sharing a little yep. info and good luck to you this season. Yeah, thank you, Darren. Let's head a little further south here in South Dakota. Got Charlie on with us right now. All right, Charlie, I'm sure a lot of the stuff uh, Lance said probably rings true for your area too. 
Yeah, that is absolutely correct. I just got to listen to it the last part of that. But, uh, yeah, we we missed the last shot. We only got maybe a quarter inch of rain, but we're our snow melt is pretty much gone except for, you know, a few ditches and, and hedgerows or, you know, tree rows. So we're getting anxious um, to get going, but yet I'm feeling a little bit behind because we don't have any fertility down and we haven't done any field work yet. So I'm afraid it's going to be a mad dash. I know sunflowers are a pretty good scavenger of nutrients, but what do you do with a sunflower crop? How do you fertilize that? We generally like to, well, the last seven or eight years, we have been using an anhydrous rig that kind of indexes. So we're, we're built set up on tram lines. So we try to put the anhydrous down in the fall, ideally. Um, and if conditions are right in the spring, we'll do that. But if not, we'll have to broadcast some urea on top. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, that's that's always interesting. I know sometimes, uh, especially, well, especially where you guys are at, there there are farmer, farmers that would say, well, I'm planning on doing uh, a different crop, but then the year kind of plays out the way it does or the market conditions play out the way it does and we flex to, to sunflowers. Is this something where acres go up and down for you or do you kind of keep some acres for sunflowers every year? We generally like to focus, you know, 10 to 15% of our acres every year to flowers. And obviously that will, last year we, we kind of anticipated a dry year. And the last two years have been phenomenal yielding sunflowers because they do well in drier conditions. Uh, we get 22 to 24 inches of rain falling a typical year. But year in, year out, flowers are probably one of our top money makers. 2019 was the exception. That was an extremely wet year. And flowers don't like like it wet. So... Yeah, they're a really strong crop for us. You know, I, I look at our farm this year, and I, I know we've got a lot of snow melt going on. We've got a lot of surface water right now, but our subsoil was still dry. We, In fact, we uh, we were doing some cleanup at an acreage, and we had a, a giant hole that we had dug. And, man, we got down 10 feet before we hit any moisture last fall. I wonder, what's it like out in your area? Is that subsoil still need to be charged up, or has this winter been delivering for you? Um, surprisingly, a lot of the snow melt has been soaking in. You know, we had had a shot of rain early December before we got the first snows and before things kind of froze up, and the frost never really got that deep. I mean, obviously, if there were some bare areas for whatever reason, the frost went down two feet, but I was actually out soil sampling some fields last week, and there was anywhere from zero frost to up to a foot in some, some areas. You know, we had actually our sunflower stalks, which kind of, the snow melted off first, I think, you know, there wasn't as much insulation there as well. So it got a little bit colder. So the frost is a little bit deeper and yeah, moisture was in, all over the board from moist down to two feet to just moist down to a foot. So we have room in our profile to add some more moisture. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, as we normally do in South Dakota, there's usually, usually Super Bowl. Like, like you said, we're kind of, kind of set up with most of the practices that we're doing in South Dakota for the dry years. And, and we have had some of those recently, but we'll, we'll see if this is the turnaround year that we have to start managing for the other side too. It, you just never know going into it. No, that is correct. And, and like I said, it's, it's been a good enough crop for us that we'll always have flowers, but, um, yeah, in that off case, hope, I hope to never repeat a 2019, but we still um, 
you know, can rely on sunflowers providing some good income for us. My dad always said the bad thing about the wet years is then the birds have water and they love sunflowers yeah. and, and it's a tough environment. Yeah, they can be a, a management nightmare and the birds are the biggest headache. We actually hire old retired guys to go out and do patrol on four wheelers and shotguns and take care of propane cannons. So it's, it's an ordeal for about a month and a half at least. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, just the, the different challenges you get when you're raising crops like that, and, and uh, sunflowers are kind of a unique one in our area as well. Well, hey, Charlie, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for talking a little about your sunflowers, and, and good luck to you guys. Hopefully spring gets going soon for you. All right. Thanks a lot, Darren. You bet. Talking sunflower production on today's program, and we're also taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. At Ag PhD, we're always looking for ways to support the ag industry. That's why at our free Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event, we're giving away more than 100 college scholarships. Plus, we'll head out into the field for hands-on agronomy sessions, including our comprehensive guide to crop scouting. This day may be geared towards younger farmers, but whether you're a college student or just want good agronomy info, this is one event you won't want to miss. Learn more and register for the Ag PhD Scouting and Scholarships event at agphd.com. The hard-working, independent spirit of rural America can often be isolating. It's not often discussed, but mental health issues are real. Now's the time to lead by example, talk openly, and show that a strong mind is just as important as a strong body. FMC is proud to be working toward ending the misconceptions around mental health. Through awareness, guidance, and action, together we can uproot the stigma. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. 
Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Talking sunflowers on today's Ag PhD radio show and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. I've got Jeff up in North Dakota with us right now. How's it going, Jeff? Not too bad. All right, we're talking sunflowers today, and that might be a super popular crop this year if it just keeps snowing. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, yeah, we've. Uh, I was just in Fargo over the weekend, and uh, those guys have a lot more snow than we do. So isn't we had a lot, quite a crazy? bit of ours milk. Man, it really varies as you drive around. I know I, I was just talking to somebody that drove up uh, through really all of eastern North Dakota over the weekend, and said oh boy it's going to be it's going to be a challenge getting in before the first of may for sure yes i don't think we will be in before the first of may this year we weren't in the field until almost first of june last year so i'm hoping we don't have that scenario all right you're a little further north in in north dakota and i guess for our listeners a lot of our listeners think north dakota is just a long ways north but uh, there's a whole lot of crop acres north of you guys what is your normal time frame for putting in sunflowers what would you kind of shoot for oh uh, we normally shoot for try to get started around uh, that 20th to 25th of may we'll go as late as last year we went as almost as late as june 10th so we uh, we like we'll we'll push as hard as we can to get the sunflowers in. Now, when you think about maturities, uh, it isn't much different than than guys coming south. It, it sounds like a lot of the same targets for when we're trying to get things in. The sunshine is is really a a big plus for for the day length and so forth that you get to the north. Uh, talk to us about that. How that influences sunflower production and and makes it a great area to grow crops where you're at. Um, yeah, it's really nice for us because especially when the plant is like in the growth stage, vegetative stage, I guess, um, and uh, everything, we're we're actually getting sunlight from probably 4.35 in the morning until almost 11 o'clock at night. So we're, we're getting, you know, quite a bit of sunlight there so those plants can grow as long as they can. Um, then as the days get shorter, you know, that's when they are also starting to um, blossom. So we're actually able to utilize when it's cooler, the bees are actually able to be a little bit more active than when it's hot. So um, when we do start to cool off there, it uh, helps with the pollination process also. Yeah, it's just amazing to me. And I know it's it's different farming as you go north and as you go west. There's some, some certain challenges you're going to face, but there are also some advantages that make sunflowers a, a super profitable crop a lot of years for, for guys. Uh, looking at, at this year, what are you thinking on sunflowers? Is that uh, normally a certain percentage of your acres, or do you kind of go up and down when the opportunity arises? We uh, we kind of have a... Kind of have a uh, set rotation that we have between malt barley, soybeans, spring wheat, corn, and sunflowers. We really like to follow our um, corn ground with sunflowers um, because that gives us the, the ability to push hard on our corn with our fertility program, and then the next year we're able to come in and mine that, that nitrogen that the corn plant didn't utilize. Um, and then what we're finding is we've also had better luck with it because we're having some problems with some of the... Um, chemicals that we have for kosher control we're starting to have sea issues where we've had some um, not as good of a control so we have to we do work our corn ground 
um, with a like a we use a Gates Coulter disc. So what we're going to do is we're actually going back to using Sonolan as one of our pre's. We're doing Sonolan and we're going to do either like a Broadax XC or Authority Edge or Authority product. So we're trying to get a multi, multiple modes out there to kind of control the kosha since we're seeing some of our um, aims and sharpens have not been as, um, I guess, effective on killing the kosha. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Sonalan there. It's one that, that a lot of growers will ask us about, so we'll mention that as one of the yellows. That uh, That is a little bit better than trifluralin in our experience, and, and it's been a, a nice product in front of sunflowers to get maximum weed control. So we do see a lot of growers using that that are doing some tillage. We, we had talked earlier in our show with a couple guys that were no-till, and so that isn't an option for them. But like you say, if you're doing some tillage to deal with the corn stalks anyway, uh, boy, that makes a lot of sense. I like your program. Yeah, actually, if we don't get it done, we're actually we we bought a fertilizer spreader. We're usually been uh, an anhydrous or a twenty eight percent on our operation, and now we've bought a pull type spreader that uh, actually is a it's a, uh, one of those Selford Velmar spreaders with okay. the booms, and it's got a and it's got a chemical box on the front, so we can do urea in that. But it gives us also the capability if we've got the corn already harvested and the ground isn't. Um, say there's no snow on the ground, it gives us capability be, of going out in the fall and getting it applied early in the fall before the snow flies. So maybe that when, as soon as the snow melts in the spring, we can have some incorporation of it too. So it, it, we're looking at different options and stuff because uh, we feel that we're going to have to get back into running a dry pre along with some of our other pre's out there. Well, you mentioned kochia, and that one can get an early start in the spring, and I, I love getting out and doing stuff in the fall if you can. Where uh, For our listeners, uh, where Jeff is at, usually drier, heavier soils, uh, the guys that are going to have frozen ground for at least six months out of the year. So there's a lot of fall applications that are super successful for those guys, even nitrogen, because where's it going to go? It's going to be frozen and, and bound up in, in some uh, pretty heavy ground so it works works well then everything's out and in place and the other thing is that that ground can be a little wet and a little tricky to get into in the spring some years so if they've got weed control they can get out in front of that kochia and hopefully hold it out because like you mentioned it's getting tougher and tougher to control each year yes um we're uh, um, because of uh, what we're seeing we've actually switched our soybeans to extend flex so we get in the Liberty in our rotation since we don't have any other crops that use Liberty. So we're, we're, we're trying a lot of different chemical options now, trying to see how we can combat some of our issues we're dealing with. And we're hoping that it works because if we lose some of these pre's, we're going to lose some of these crops that rely heavy on these pre's. You mentioned a five crop rotation on the farm, and I think that's a big thing here, holding off resistance too. So uh, I know some of our listeners may be, man, how'd you get by without having much for resistant challenges to this point? I think five crops in the rotation are certainly helpful. And, you know, the diversification too, just for where you farm, it's it's not an easy place to farm. Not everybody can make it uh, farming in your country. No, it gets a little uh, interesting. We've had some wet years and those wet years make it uh, very interesting. And sometimes we get in, like I said last year, we got in very late. We didn't start seeding until um, almost June 1st, and we got everything, pretty much everything seeded by June 15th. So um, once you do get started, it's pretty much uh, 
full full throttle. Now, when you mention all the different crops that you have, I'm just kind of playing out in my mind with corn and soybeans, malt, barley, uh, wheat, and flowers. Uh, you, you've got a lot of different timings that are happening, and that certainly spreads out the workload just a little bit. How about sunflowers? Do you find them to be one of the easier crops to, to manage through the season, or, or are they one that you're out there uh, fighting bugs and, and different things quite often? Um, usually sunflowers are one of our easier ones to manage um, because you have you know your kind of your stages when you're going to have to be you know uh, watching for like say bugs you know your bug issue is usually going to be about right around when you have um, you know when you start the when they start to open up and bloom you know so you know you have set times that we have to go out and be attentive to the crop. It's not like soybeans where you got to deal with, like we've been having to deal with uh, grasshoppers. Well, we've had to deal with grasshoppers early in the season all the way up to harvest, you know, dealing with grasshoppers. And corn, we've had, we've actually had corn borer. It's uh, interesting. We're in an area that's not been a heavy corn area, and we've actually had, we have to make sure we have, uh, like, a different, we can't just run a Roundup ready corn because we've actually had corn borer on some of our fields that have been only the second time we've ever gone corn on it. Yeah, I've, I've so, heard that, that it, guys have been going to more of the BT traits up there just for corn borer. Yeah, and you wouldn't think that this far north and just the amount of corn that's just coming into the area, you wouldn't think we'd have corn borer, but, I mean, we had it ourselves and we had to deal with it, and uh, we vowed to never grow just a straight round of ready corn after that. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't blame you on that at all. That's, it's a tough one to, to get once they're out in the fields. Hey, uh, we got to run, Jeff, but thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing a little about what's going on and, and hope spring starts for you guys soon. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper, Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Water Hemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of Fierce Herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right Fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. When it comes to cereal disease protection, Prosaro Pro 400 SC fungicide from Bayer makes all the difference. With three effective active ingredients for overlapping control of foliar and head diseases and a flexible application window for head scab, it's formulated to lower dawn, protect yield potential, and promote superior grain quality. Prosaro Pro, the future of plant health starts here. Visit prosaropro.com to learn more. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. You won't want to miss this year's Ag PhD Field Day with guided tours of our extensive research plots, world premieres of the latest ag technologies, the highest yielding farmers on the planet, and more equipment running than ever before. The Ag PhD Field Day just keeps getting bigger and better. We'll also have great family entertainment, including a kids' area, music, fantastic guest speakers, and food and drink available all throughout the day. 
the best part is everything's free. Go to agphd.com to learn more for the Ag PhD Field Day, Thursday, July 27th. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. From the smallest fastener to the trusses overhead, Morton leaves absolutely no detail to chance. It's how we ensure that your building stands the test of time. From concept to completion, we take pride in providing a high-quality building to last for generations. To get started on your next project, please visit mortonbuildings.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. Come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Martin Studio, and we are diving into the Ag PhD Mailbag, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD or your emails, radio at agphd.com. You ready to go, Brian? Fire away. All right, uh, I'm going to throw a herbicide question at you to start out with. This comes from Jerry. He said, I'm I'm down by Sioux City, Iowa, and I'm considering planting soybeans into standing corn stalks this year. Now, my brother's been doing that, and he's been using Fierce XLT for a pre-plant, and he really likes that. However, I tried to buy some, and I was told it's not even labeled north of Interstate 80. So I looked it up online, and uh, I've been told carryover is the reason why, but my brother has done it and has hasn't had a real problem. So I'm kind of curious your thoughts about Fierce XLT or if I don't go that way, what I should do. I've always been using your three pre-program before spraying right on the disc because I'm using trifluralin. I've had good luck with that, but this year I'm going to no-till. Okay. So first of all, we don't like to carry over with that product and everybody always says, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Until the year that it's not. And the other thing is, can you really see a five bushel loss in your corn? No, you can't. Nobody ever even noticed that. Well, five bushels would be a tremendous loss financially. So we have seen it before. I have in particular seen it where literally no corn grows when you've got a high pH spot. And that's our real concern. Can you promise me that there isn't one spot on your entire farm, even if it's small, not one spot on your farm that's over a 7 pH, I, I don't know anybody yeah. that can. Yeah, I doubt and it. So then you, you just you have all that risk. Why? Well, hey, Brian, let I me mean, throw let me and, throw. And here's the other thing. It's only, Classic is only going to help you on and non-ALS resistant weeds. I'm guessing by Sioux City, Iowa, the number one weed is water hemp and the number two weed is water hemp. And those are both ALS resistant. <laughs> so I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go that way. Instead, you can use Prowl and, uh, rather than the trifluralin, and you could also use a Group 15 if you wanted to. So Fierce MTV, for example, that'd be a great choice. Hey, let me throw this out. So Fierce XLT, just for anybody who's not familiar with what that is, it's a premix. It's got Valor, 
Zidua, which is a Group 15, and Classic, which is an ALS product. And uh, the Valor is at... Uh, in the normal 3.75-ounce rate that a lot of guys are using, it's got 1.8 ounces of Valor, which, honestly, we'd like to see that increased at least to 2.5 ounces. Yeah. It's got uh, yep. 2 quarter ounces of Zidua in it, which is a decent rate of Zidua, but then it's got a full yep. ounce of Classic. And we used to use some right. Classic back in the late 80s, early and 90s. At a third of an ounce, and we thought we were really pushing it. In fact, a lot of guys were cutting the rate even under a third of an ounce because we were seeing some issues. Well, anyway, that's that's kind of our yeah. thoughts, Jerry. And if yeah, if you want to keep using the three pre's, that's awesome. Just just replace the trifluralin with Prowl. And I know Prowl costs more money, but in the grand scheme of things, for how much those three pre's are going to cost, it's probably a bushel and a half of soybeans. Uh, it's it's well worth it to have great weed control. Thanks for the question. Yep. We really appreciate that. All right. The next one uh, comes in, and and we had uh, a comment here. This came from, from Jeff, and he said, Guys, I've noticed on websites like Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and others, I'm seeing an alarming number of burnt-up tractors for sale that people are parting out, uh, just taking parts that they can save. And the descriptions, a lot of them have said they were just disking wet ground, no dust, uh, wondering maybe tractor tractor manufacturers need to install under the hood extinguishing systems or something. And certainly I'd encourage farmers to carry large portable extinguishers with them. Uh, yeah. What a devastating financial loss. Just curious. Uh, what do you guys think? Do you think maintenance and cleaning uh, that you could do pre-season could solve some of this issue? Uh, just, just wondering what you guys have seen. Yeah, maybe, but in a lot of cases, it's not the preseason where you got the problem. It's when you're actually out in the field. You get these high winds. You have a lot of residue that's building up on that tractor, and so that's one of the things. But, yeah, I mean, there are other maintenance things as you go. So one of the best things that our, our dad talked to us about a lot when we were growing up on the farm, I just remember there was one day where I was in a hurry, and I'm like, I got this other thing to do, whatever. And he's like, Brian, there's always time for maintenance. I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> not, not that. And we went through everything, and, but that's, that's the point. That's what he was trying to get across here is you cannot skip that. Like literally every day it has to get done. And even when you're out in the field, you got to be paying attention to that. Now, in terms of financial losses, I, I mean, hopefully these people that have had issues – have had insurance, and it has been covered. But, yeah, I mean, if we have more of those things, you know what's going to happen. All our insurance rates are going to go up. So one way or the other, we end up paying for it in the long run. Uh, yeah, but, again, I, I don't know what all happened. Maybe some of these things were fluke deals. Maybe there was nothing that could be done to prevent them. But in a lot of cases, the things that we see, it's like, okay, yeah, we got to get some – we have to do a better job with maintenance – and then I agree with you 100% on this fire extinguisher thing. We've had that even before, too, where we've, we've only had a couple tiny little instances of fire, and fortunately we had fire extinguishers there, took care of it, immediately done. If we hadn't, it could have been a disaster. Yeah, it sure could be. You did mention one thing there that I think gets taken for granted, wind. Uh, I know with combine fires in the fall, we, we'll often have uh, a safety show or two just talking about how to prevent combine fires. And one of the things that, that they found in a lot of the research is that on windy days, and I think it I think the number was 20-mile-an-hour winds or higher, 
the the risk of combine fires went up dramatically. And certainly the humidity levels have really made a difference in a lot of things, one of them being fire risk as well. So just keep those things in mind when you're in a situation where you've got really low humidity, you've got high winds. Those are those are pretty dangerous days and, and we're operating heavy equipment out there, so we gotta be smart. All right, thanks yeah, for the problem is that the wind blows here all the time, so almost <laughs> yeah. every day is a twenty mile. It, it, it does, but it seems it, like it feels like there it are peak like. times where where there's you know higher winds, and you can see that in almost every day. It's not like the wind is exactly the same all the time. So yeah, yeah. when you're out there in the middle of the day and the wind is the worst, uh, you, you definitely got to be prepared for that, no doubt. All right, uh, yeah. Ed, yep. had a comment that came in from John, and he said. Guys, the, the EPA says 2,4-D generally has moderate risk to mammals. We're mammals. So I'm curious, how is it not moderately dangerous for us? And if so, what are the dangers that, that we should be aware of if we're using 2,4-D? Okay, so first of all, all pesticides, we want you to use great care, follow the label, wear personal protective equipment, and just use some common sense, and you should be in pretty good shape. For, it depends on the 2,4-D we're talking about, but a lot of it, it's the, the LD50, the lethal dose. It's 1,000 milligrams per kilogram. On the other hand, if you look at caffeine, that's 200 milligrams per kilogram. In other words, it takes five times as much 2,4-D to kill you as it would caffeine. Now, we're not suggesting that you go drink 2,4-D or anything like that. It's pesticide. But the point is the dose makes the poison. So we always have to be careful as farmers, especially if you do lots of spraying, because now you have more risk than somebody who sprays literally once a day or just around their yard once a year. So, sorry about the once a day. I mean, once a year, that that's that's very little risk. But anyway, I, I'm not real worried about 2,4-D. It's one of the safer products that there is out there. But again, it's a pesticide. Use some common sense. Use personal protective equipment. You'll be fine. All right. Thanks, Jen. We really appreciate that. Then I get this in from Wayne. He said, guys, I've been listening to your show and I did some soil sampling out in my yard and just wondering what you guys think about this. Uh, we, we did malic analysis, only saw 13 to 18 parts per million of phosphorus. I can tell that's low. I've got a, and this is a quote here, um, incredible lack of nitrate. <laughs> and then my base saturation K is in the two to three range. And my sulfur is down around 10 parts per million. Uh, do you see anything besides that? You know, I think those are some great places to start, Wayne. Start with the sulfur, the nitrogen, and the P and K. And that will get you a long ways down the road. The micronutrient levels actually don't look too bad. Uh, so I, I think you could just focus on those big ones, NPK, sulfur, and you'll be in great shape. Uh, and I would recommend, you know, doing several different applications throughout the year to, to spread things out a little bit. Hey, thanks, Wayne. Really appreciate you taking the extra effort to get some good soil testing done in your lawn so you're doing the proper things with those nutrients. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.